This is our disclaimer. The statements made and opinions expressed during this podcast are our own personal statements and opinions. It should not be construed as those of any entity or institution that we may have been employed by or affiliated with at any time in our professional lives. Additionally, we take patient confidentiality incredibly seriously. For that reason, any reference to stories about patients have purposely been modified so as to not identify any particular patient or location. Finally, while we are both doctors, nothing that we say in this podcast should be construed as medical advice. If you are in need of medical advice, please contact your personal physician. Remember that although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to ER Docs and Crucial Talks. This is Raj. I'm here with my co-podcaster, Cullen. Welcome to another Crucial Conversation. What's up, Cullen? Hey, man. How you doing? Good, man. It's been a while. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. What's been new uh, over at work and all that stuff? Uh, work has been good. You know, I uh, I work, I kind of have a thing where mm-hmm. in the winter when it's kind of harsh, I work as much as I can. And, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of, so I kind of feel like December, January, February, first part of March, mm-hmm. it's just grindstone, just grinding and work, try to, you know, try to set myself up for the rest of the year uh, with a little bit more free time by front loading it Yeah, nice. uh, when the, when it's winter. And so then spring hits and it's like, it's truly an awakening for me. You know, it's like uh, I'm coming out and I'm, I got more free time. The weather's better. So nice. that's, I don't know why I do things like that, but that's how I do. And then uh, work, but work has been really good, really rewarding, great cases. You know, how about you? Uh, same man. Uh, you know, regarding what you're doing, it, 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 it seems like it's a good time to do that, right? Like it's, it's dreary, it's cold. Uh, we, we had a, you know, some, sometimes we had a rough winter this time around and, and where you're at it, it, the winters can get pretty rough. So it seems like if you're into it and you're okay, putting in the time. Yeah. It's kind of like you're, you're paying dividends to this now beautiful weather where you can back off a little bit. And isn't that awesome that you have a career that, that affords you that opportunity. I think that's all I, I sometimes I do the same. I was on a 19 day stretch recently because I'd done like four back-to-back shifts, 24 on 24 off times four. Um, then we just did a little getaway for spring break. And, uh, but I, I tell you in those four shifts back-to-back, I know you've done stuff like that. That's a lot of cases packed into eight days. And, um, I did get a little stir crazy, you know, being in the hospital for that long. Um, I did come home between shifts, but it gets a little stir crazy. And it's, it's interesting because never before, uh, you know, doing something like that, have I been so immersed in the medicine and, um, it really kind of tunes my acumen. Uh, and so with all these complicated cases, it really hones like a lot of my skills. I did a lot of central lines or some intubations. We had a, you know, unfortunately, you know, a bad pediatric case, you know, things that we need to see. It's sad to see and hard to see, but things we need to see. Um, Mm -hmm. and now that the weather's getting better, we're seeing some traumas. So, you know, sometimes, and I, it's maybe the same with you and your crew that they'll be like, ah, oh, we're getting this bad trauma. And I'm like, I used to be like, ah, but now I'm kind of like, good. We need the practice. Let's do this. You know, let's, let's, yeah. let's hone our skills. Let's get everything ready, guys. Let's get set up. And I, I have that, that excitement, you know, and it, it builds and, um, you and I, we're kind of like in the, uh, second, you know, half of our, our lives, the second half of our careers here is kind of. And so mm-hmm. do you feel like you're thinking about things differently than you did in the first half of your career? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. How so? I mean, well, first of all, I think that overall, and you've also transitioned more to rural medicine. Oh, I have yeah. more time. I have more time to spend with patients. Mm-hmm. I have 
a closer connection, I feel like, to the staff and to the hospital and to the community mm-hmm. than I did working at a major level one trauma center in a you know one of the top four biggest cities in the in the country. Yeah. And that's just a totally different feel. It's when you're young, I feel like it's great, right? It's boom, boom, boom. You're multi trying to multitask or whatever, you know, we're actually doing, but you're, you're seeing this, this, this high acuity, s- smaller amount of time. Uh, and that hones your skills a certain way, but now it's so much more meaningful to me to work in rural medicine. It's challenging. It's different challenges, but, uh, I don't know. Did that answer your question? It, it, just, it, 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 it did. It. It's to me. It's a. It's and I think that's going to be an ongoing theme of this discussion is meaning. Yeah. It's just the meaning is is more there. And sometimes when you connect with patients and you more with longer conversations, you, you're obviously going to think differently because you're actually able to think more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the challenges are though that you're the only one. Like you can't call cardiology friend, you know, upstairs and say, Hey, can you come take a look and see what you think? You know, right. you're the only one. Right. But uh, so different challenges, more meaning, at least for me, or at least maybe it's just mm-hmm. this point in my career, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I've noticed. I felt like um, the first half of my career, the only thing I was trying to do is prove to myself that I was capable of working in those places. And the more shifts I would take on the higher, like the level one center trauma center I'd work at the level two trauma center, which functioned like a level one. And the more charts I picked up and the more complicated cases I picked up and the more bizarre diagnoses I like yearned to find, I did that to prove it to myself. It was kind of like an ego based thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, as and and now to your point, and I'm glad we're talking about this concept of trading time for meaning versus trading time for money. And I, I don't want to pick your brain on that later. Is that you're right? Now the interactions are meaningful in terms of my responsibility to the community. I think about the community. I think about this family more. I think about this patient more. And you got me into rural medicine and our friend Ben, and you got us in, got me into this. And initially, I was I walked in with a lot of trepidation. I, I had that fear, like, well, Colin, I'm going to be the only doc there. I, am I going to be able to do this? And you said, you're actually going to be a better doc, Raj, because you're going to be thinking more cardiology on, more GI on your own, more neuro on your own, more pre-surgical stuff and awareness on your own. You're going to be the trauma surgeon there, you know, in so much as you can't cut a belly open, but you can do all the procedures and anticipate what this person needs. And um, I was thinking about that last night. I was on shift last night and I had a bad trauma. A guy you know, flew off a motorcycle and had uh, basically lacerated his mesentery and omentum, these critical organs that surround mm. your guts. And he was hemorrhaging. His blood pressure was 50 over 20. And I, I, as I was standing there more calm than I've ever been in my career, uh, thinking about all these conversations you and I've had over the years, I was thinking, man, I have more clarity now in, in one of the most critical cases I've had in a while than I, I may have had on a simple case, you know, 10 years ago. And uh, it was a mm-hmm. great, it was a great feeling to be able to control the room, control myself and to be that leader, that calm leader. And I think people look up to people like that, not like, you know, in a, in an ego based way, but like, this is somebody I can now look at who's calm, poised, and I can follow and I can be a better nurse. I could be a better technician. Here's our, you know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of what I'm yeah. getting out of the second half. Um, since I've talked to you, uh, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been a few weeks. I know you've been pretty busy. I'm glad that you have this time off now. What, uh, what are some of the things that, uh, you've kind of like 
done for yourself? What kind of like self-reflection have you had for Colin? Well, uh, a few things uh, that I wanted to talk about in regards to that, that I've done. Uh, first of all, I noticed that my YouTube feeds, like I watch a lot of YouTube. Um, I don't watch as much TV as I used to. I'll just watch, you know, learning videos to try to learn something on that. And I, I noticed that YouTube started feeding me more and more, I don't want to say controversial things that would get like one person's fired up about this mm-hmm. thing or somebody demolishes somebody else. And I was kind of like, how did, and I started to realize it seemed like more and more than all, like one day it seemed like it was my whole feed they were giving me. And I like to watch, you know, music. I like to watch people, you know, playing a guitar, learn how to play a guitar song, cooking things. Mm-hmm. I like dog videos. <laughs> and I realized though that I hadn't watched those in a while because it wasn't showing me them. Mm-hmm. And so I just started to try to rehack the algorithm and I just started watching things that I enjoy and that don't make me feel, I don't know, like wound up after I watched them. Oh, sure. Uh, sure. And, uh, and I'm also not into controversial things and politics and mm-hmm. it's not really my thing. That's mm-hmm. one of those things like, right. We've learned a long time ago, if you can't change it, then why put your energy into it? Right. But it was feeding me this. And I yeah, was like, yeah. you know, like a, just like a zombie, just watching the next one. And uh, so I realized that. So I've been, I've been rehacking that. That was one thing that I did. I know we talked about that before, but man, it snuck up on me. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, The next thing is that I, I had this funny realization that it seems like sometimes I give human like emotion to inanimate objects. Like my, so like my guitar. So I had this, this, I have a a Gibson acoustic guitar that okay. you know I watched for years. I saved up a bunch of money. I got it eventually. I love it. I love this guitar. Right, I'm doing it right now. And uh, <laughs> and I was always worried about the humidity in our place in the winter. Uh, of it would get dry out, and that can hurt a, an acoustic guitar. Okay. And I wasn't thinking I'd been out of town for work and I'm sitting there watching TV and I heard a pop and it was the back of this guitar split, the wood split. Cause, Cause it of the, too, cause of the, it temp- got too the dry. Temp- oh, no kidding. Yeah. I didn't know uh, that uh, could happen. Yeah. Actually they say uh, an acoustic guitar can hold about um, two ounces of water. It, it'll change about two ounces of water worth of hydration throughout okay. the season. Right. And uh and I, you would have thought that like a loved one was in the hospital. <laughs> like, like I was so concerned and I was so, you know, I was like yelling, not out of like true anger, but I was like, nah, but you were, happen? but there was a passion there. There was a connection. There was there. such a passion. And there was like, and I felt I was in this terrible mood and I had to, and I called the guitar repair shop right away <laughs> and I'm talking to the guy and he's like, it's like, he's talking to me down you know he's like de-escalating how <laughs> emotional i am but it's like he's a therapist all yeah seriously and uh i'm gonna need you to take some slow deep breaths sir <laughs> yeah and like you know i did the whole like the what are the four steps right i got angry i was in denial maybe it's yeah. not really broken i you know i i blamed i blamed my wife because like how come <laughs> how come who turned the humidifier down you know <laughs> and uh She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she didn't do anything wrong. And, and, uh, she's like, and she's like, what was that big popping noise? <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
And it's so ridiculous, right? So ridiculous. And I'm like, this thing, it's just, it's not a loved one. It's not a person. It has no emotion. It has no Mm -hmm. feelings. I can fix it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's nothing that is unfixable. And it's like, why did I let that upset me so much? So I've been on the lookout out for things like that. You know, I don't know if that's a form of materialism or what. I I have a different take on it Um, Uh because I have a similar uh, affect if, and, and you tell me if this is analogous to what's going on. For instance, right now in the home, my vehicles, uh, things that I, I like, I like, you know, home audio, everything is functioning perfectly. It's clean. There's nothing broken. There's nothing loose. There's nothing rattling. But if something were to change my homeostasis, my equilibrium, it would be bothering me. For instance, the other day before I got it repaired, one of the, one of the cars was making like a grinding sound when I was steering. And even though I know I'm a car guy, I know I could probably drive two years with this grinding sound. And probably most people wouldn't even notice. I actually kind of lost some sleep over it. I kind of actually, during work, I was a little bothered by it. And I'm like, what am I so nervous about? Like, this is an easy shift today. Oh, I'm thinking about the the SUV and and I wanted to take it in and get the the steering rack replaced. Why is this invading my... And so what I I thought about was kind of like maybe, maybe what you thought about, you tell me. Yeah, I'm, I'm a car guy. I love, I love, you know, fixing things. I love like, you know, the mechanics of things. But what I think I realize I have is an OCD anxiety about just my equilibrium, my homeostasis. And that, hmm. you know, I need to, what I need to do is I need to realize where is that anxiety and that sort of where you, what you felt that rooted sort of like disrupted um, world, that anger that you had towards the situation. And you, you said, okay, this is no, I'm passionate about my guitar. I love my guitar. Ah, this is wrecking my current world. Or is it, for me, I know it's no, it's disrupting my equilibrium. It could be the dishwasher, it could be the car, it could be a, a tear in the couch. And I just need things like perfect. They're material. Yeah, you're right. They're not a loved one in the hospital. Yeah. But why do I still ex- exert that much energy on that? And so I kind of had to deconstruct that a bit and kind of fix me a little bit. And, um, and so, you know, I'll kind of get into that with you in a bit, but what do you think about that? Does that apply at all? Is that different? I think there's probably an aspect of that. I think that there are certain things it's, it's what is it about this guitar that I care about it versus if there was something else, even if that other something was, you know, relatively expensive, it broke, I probably wouldn't care that much. So I think there is like some of that homeostasis, but some of it is, is it justified or not to put more emotion into one object versus another? Is it because, you know, a guitar is, you know, when I play guitar, a lot of times it's very meditative for me. It's a tool mm-hmm. that I use. I love the sound of that guitar. Mm-hmm. I started to think things like this guitar is never going to sound the same. It's never going to sound as good. And it like hurt my feelings or something. It's, and I've had, I've also noticed like similar to you, my, my truck, like, I love my truck. Like mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. like, have you ever gotten rid of a vehicle and you almost feel like, Oh, I'm getting rid of this. Yeah. I get, I get sentimental. It's like you get a little sentimental of and it's course. like, what is it about objects that make us sentimental? And is it justified? And when it's something that is actually causing you grief, yeah, you really got to ask yourself, is it justified? Like, is it disruptive in your life? 
Yeah. And maybe there, I think you're right. There's an aspect of homeostasis, but I, I don't know. I'm actually still reflecting on this as you well, can tell. I, I know um, you're, I know you're a musician. I know that uh, your guitar is an extension of your, how you emote in the world. I've often said to you, you know, this God, Colin, I, though I don't like sit here saying, God, I wish I could play the guitar. I always say, I kind of wish I could play the guitar. It's a great way to emote. And that's awesome that you have that. And you've said, yeah, I have that. I have that ability to do that. Uh, I can, I can understand that. I can understand why the guitar would be disruptive if it broke. But I guess my question is you can go buy another guitar tomorrow. Like, does that, is that different? Does that not apply or how does that work? Yeah. Well, I thought that too. I mean, that's what it's actually, my wife was saying these things like they're very obvious that everybody knows, like you could just go buy another guitar. And I'm like, no, it's not going to be that guitar. You know, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous how much I let this get to me. Because you're right. You could go by. I could, mm-hmm. you know, work some extra shifts or take some, you know, extra spending cash or a present yeah. or something right. and buy another guitar. Might be a nice sound upgrade. And like probably if you took, you know, 10 people and blindfolded them, no one would be able to tell they're between the, this guitar and, and that guitar. Probably once this guitar is repaired like nobody will be able to tell the difference including me on the sound it's just it's you'll know it's, it's, you'll know it was repaired yeah yeah i i don't know maybe it'll give it more character at the same time i don't know yeah. it's again it's like even in this conversation i'm giving this guitar so much stupid respect and it's really just wood and glue and strings and you know it's like what is it is that change for you say a decade ago to now is, is it different? It was it more district, more upsetting oh, to you good question. like 10 years ago than it is now. And do you anticipate it'll be less disruptive and less, you know, you know, uh, provocative, uh, in 10 more years. If something like that happens, what trajectory think, are you on? I think 10 years ago, I probably would have lost my temper more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I probably would not have even had the ability to, Ask the question. Ask the question. Yeah. To notice, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about it a million times, but it's yeah. that movie theater analogy, like taking a step back and seeing the dust in the movie projection as it goes down. You realize, like, oh, wait a second, let's look at this. Yeah. For yeah. what it is, and not be lost into the scene. Um, and so it's that it's one of those things. Uh, That's interesting. So, yeah. That's yeah. cool, man. So tell that, me what's going on with you. I've been talking a lot. Well, no, what about I, you. So interestingly, when you mentioned the thing about YouTube feeds and I thought about kind of when I'm on shift, uh, you know, between cases, uh, you know, we're there for 24 hours. So sometimes I do the same thing. And what I have learned from people we listen to, like uh, Ryan Holiday, Tim Ferriss, one of the things they recommend is try to learn one thing every day. Try to make yourself better 1%, the 1% rule, 1% better Raj every day or every week if you're having a tough week. And the 1% I do is what you do is I try to get on YouTube, which is very proximal to me. And I can just click a, not a self-help video per se, but like a video on like, I'm going to learn about, I don't know, like uh, some Socrates, or I'm going to learn about uh, Ryan Holiday will talk about journaling. And so, you know, I pick up on these pearls and Ryan Holiday talked about journaling. And I said, "I, I just hate putting pen to paper. So he says, all right, if you, that's preferred, but if you need to do it digitally, so I do it digitally. And I'm thinking, I, I can't write paragraphs a day. So he said, start with one word, then start with one sentence a day. And I did that. Now I'm, I'm, you know, knocking out paragraphs a day and it's really helpful. Um, 
sometimes uh, what I'll do is if there's something that's kind of like just brewing in my head, you ever like play in a loop, like uh, an event or it's like something that's anxiety provoking or maybe an, mm-hmm. a conflict you've had with someone and just you can't get out of your head. Well, I learned to just tap it out on the journal and kind of put it, you know, theoretically pen to paper. And then it's just there. And it, it it's kind of like cathartic. It's just out of my system and it feels really good. But I was thinking about some of these YouTube videos I do watch. Um, there is a component of some of these that have a controversial twist to them. And I get sucked into the comments. You ever get sucked into the comments and you read these oh, comments yeah. from people and a lot of these people are pretty articulate in their comments. You're like, oh yeah, he, he makes a good point. Well, well, she makes a good point. Well, he makes, makes a good point. And then you see them getting angry and then it's just bad. And it's every single, there is not a comment stream in YouTube <laughs> where it doesn't devolve into just like hate, pure hate. And I get charged up. I feel that like tension and that anxiety. I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to step away from this. I need to, okay, close yeah. this video. So I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to um, just, I don't need to, I don't need to feed into the comments. One of the things that irritates me about, like, I want to read medical articles and, and there'll be a comment section, which never used to be the case. And there'll be doctors like fighting with each other about like their opinions on the article. I'm like, for goodness sakes, what, what can we read any, any, anymore that isn't just fought over, you know? And it's like, I, I like the comments because it sort of educates me on both sides of it, but there's such angst sometimes between two sides and it, it gets, it gets like, you know, frustrating. So I definitely pulled away from that. And sometimes I think less is more. Um, so I did, I did a lot of things in the last say several months that include just taking accountability for my life. Uh, I found myself doing a teacher's lounge syndrome. You taught me about that, a teacher's lounge syndrome where you know how you said, like, sometimes when you're around people that are just complainers, you'll just kind of keep complaining and kept blaming and pointing the finger at people. And that's that concept where the teachers go in the lounge and kind of like, oh, that kid and that kid, I can't believe this kid. He's still mm. this kid. I, I was just doing it with myself. I was just like, just not taking accountability for my life. Uh, if I had so much energy, I said to myself to, you know, kind of point fingers and look at the world critically, the first thing I need to do is look at myself critically. So I started with just brass tacks, diet and exercise, taking accountability for what I'm eating, um, truly recognize some of the garbage that I'm eating, like just junk food, uh, overeating, eating not for fuel, but for pleasure and dissociating mm-hmm. that. And finally, eating food for fuel most of the time. <laughs> so two is um, uh, exercise. I came on you know, podcast with you and said, oh, I'm only going to able to do a mile and a half and or two miles. And you're like, no, dude, you can do more. I'm like, no, I can't do more. I've tried. And I took accountability for those inaccurate statements. And I just said, you are going to run four miles today. You are going to run six miles today. That's just what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to stop. You're not going to slow down. You're not going to say your hip hurts, your knee hurts, your foot hurts, you know, like David Goggins and you know, how he'll talk about, no, you're just going to keep moving. You're just going to finish this. And so I took accountability for that. Um, and and it reflected. I, I and I, I cut out all that bad stuff, exercise more. I'm off a of statin. I used to be on a statin for cholesterol. Uh, mm. and I feel great. Um, and uh the other thing is I started taking accountability for my my thinking and my thoughts. And so what I started doing, and I shared this with you a few months ago, started reading critically again. So not just like um newsletters from people I listen to, like Tim Ferriss or Shane uh Parrish from the Knowledge Project, but classics like Dostoevsky and I'm reading um, Crime and Punishment. I finished that. Uh, you're reading War and Peace, right? How's that going? 
Oh yeah. I mean, you, you inspired me to read war and peace. I it's, it's great. I'm about, I mean, it's long and these, I feel like these Russian authors are a little bit challenged. Like it's, it takes a while to get to know the characters and who they're talking about all the time, but yeah. uh, it's amazing. Uh, it's like, and I'm like, I see why this is considered one of the best books of all time, of because all time. it is one of the best books of all time. Like yeah. I think, you know, you know, but, uh, Thank you for that, by the way. Yeah, no, and it, it's it's great to share that sort of that goal of you know reading more critically. And so Dostoevsky, this Russian author, who in Crime and Punishment, not to go over the book, but just the basic premise is this guy who thinks he's superior to everybody else, and to the point where he can commit a crime, a murder, and get away with it because he's just you know he's getting rid of the trash in the world, and he's superior. So if he steals from somebody, that money and gold he steals is going to just support him. And he's a more important person. He'll become a lawyer or a doctor. And that's the most important thing for society. And I kind of thought about that. I'm like, you know, back when Dostoevsky wrote this, this is the same kind of fundamentals that I'm trying to, you know, curtail in my own life is ego. Right. And just kind of like, mm-hmm. take accountability for your life, take accountability for your community and, and you know, who you really want to be. Um, so that's kind of it. I mean, and uh, having more conversations, and less Netflix. I found that when Susan and I were spending time together, we were doing it looking in the same direction, not at each other. And mm. I was like, huh, you know, this whole concept that, you know, we, we talk about be present, be present, be present. Being present is kind of one of those things where until you experience it, Colin, at least for me, I didn't know what it was until it finally hit me in the head. And, and kind of now I get it. Now I kind of get what being present is, is I mean, being aware of the person sitting next to me and wanting to ask more questions and wanting her to ask me more questions and just not having any interest in binging for like two hours on TV. I'm like, what are we consuming? Like, What am I consuming in terms of information? You talked about YouTube and what you were consuming. Books that you were consuming, now you're consuming a different sort of type of book. Uh, I'm sure your podcast feeds and it all plays in, right? What we are consuming is what we are. And I was listening to Tim Ferriss mm-hmm. on this recently. He was saying, everything we consume from our senses is who we become. So if you want to become someone better, like you are doing, you're hacking the algorithm. Hack the algorithm so that you feed yourself and consume the stuff that makes you the better person that you want to be and figure out who that is you want to be first. So that's what I've been doing. I love it. I got three comments. Please. First of all, the running thing. I think that's phenomenal because, uh, and you mentioned like, I'm not going to stop because my hip, do you experience this? Like about a mile in mm-hmm. to every single run that I do, my brain starts these loops. Oh, you feel that? That's your knee. You better stop. Oh yeah. I get oh, that. oh man. Your quads. I think, you, I think your quads just can't handle it today. Yeah, Let's just yeah. stop. Like, yeah. Oh, you know what? You probably shouldn't have ran after you just ate. Yeah. You better stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like, me, totally. Or you you probably shouldn't run because you haven't eaten yet. Yeah. You better it's one stop. or the other. Which one yeah, is it? Yeah, it's like, it's something. <laughs> and it's like, and then if I push to that and I just say, you know, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just goes away. And then the rest of the run is fine. Uh, but there's always something around one mile mark. I don't know if you experienced that. The second thing I want to say is uh, you you were eating a lot of junk. Yeah, you really were. Yeah. Cheesecake Factory. 
you oh, going to <laughs> Okay, I you know, I'll <laughs> give you this. I'll give <laughs> you that. Way, <laughs> way too much. Uh no, I don't know if you were eating junk otherwise. I mean, but yeah. Oh, I was. Uh, yeah, I absolutely was. And then uh back to War and Peace. I just want to mention, you know why I chose that book? This is kind of embarrassing, but it's kind of funny. It's because senior year, we were supposed to read that book. Yeah. And this was senior after high school of high school. Oh wow. And that was uh, in one of my classes, my English class or something. And that was, uh, you know, I already was like, whatever. I don't care about this. I'm not reading this huge book. <laughs> right. So I read the cliff notes and I still did fine <laughs> on the test. And I always feel a little guilty about that. It was like, I I, I was not a cliff notes guy. I was always the guy. I'm going to read the book. Sure, sure. Take the test, I was, I was a cliff notes guy. I was, it you was were? Cl- yeah, or I, I tried to rent the video which was like, you know, a percent of the actual book and be like, oh, I watched the movie warranty. So this will <laughs> yeah. get me by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you know what? Yeah. To, to your point, though, like when I was reading Crime and Punishment, it had been so long since I did any kind of critical reading. And it was dense. Like there's I guess there's six different uh, translations of War and Peace from the Russian to English. So whatever version I, I was reading happened to be kind of dense. And it, I, I'm, I'm a slow reader. So in order for me, and I sort of kind of get lost a little bit along the way. And what I feel like I'm doing is just trying to put these esoteric sentences together in my head so what i do do is i do go to cliffnotes.com and read first the sort of summary of it and then i read the actual thing because then i can tractor along and be like oh yeah they talked about this oh now i get what this conversation is about because ah it's i I just i maybe like an athlete man maybe like with running i'll get better at reading i I hope i get better at reading Um, i'll tackle crime and punishment afterwards i've heard that's a step of love to talk to you about it afterwards and i think we could do a you know without boring our audience i think we could do a crucial conversation about it Um, hey not to interrupt but we need to do a case everybody's wondering about oh this is what i was going to ask you about hey we just celebrated easter can you give me cullen it's your turn to give me a case. Give me an Easter You're case. You're leading me. And I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> give, me, but, give, me, give me an Easter case. All right. All right. So I was in med school, right? So this is, you know, early on in my career and I was doing a rotation in an ER, real busy, you know, trauma center ER. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was, this wasn't my patient, but uh, she was there in the ER and everybody kind of knew because you'll figure out why. But there was this patient, I guess, that came by ambulance for uh, acting strange. Like we call it altered mental status, right? Like she was like a, a normal, like a mom with two kids, like, you know, middle age. And all of a sudden she like grabbed like one of her kids uh, onesies that was like a bunny mm-hmm. onesie. And like tried to squeeze into it, but actually like had her, it was way too small. So she was like, her (laughs) hands were like sticking out of it. And all she would scream would, all she wouldn't talk, except she would scream periodically, happy Easter, (laughs) as loud as she could, right? As loud as she could. So the family like calls an ambulance and brings her in. And of course she gets a huge work up right as you can yeah, imagine yeah. like you know Bizarre. ct yeah, yeah you know all this stuff and so for hours while she's in the emergency department you'd hear from this hallway where she was <laughs> in, happy easter <laughs> like as loud as possible and everybody by the end everybody in the er would go happy easter back. you, know? <laughs> you gotta and, get into uh, it right? i always think about that around easter and by the way this wasn't easter time 
uh, when this case occurred, but, uh, I always <laughs> think about that. And it was all, it was like cheerful. Turns out by the way, she was fine. She had decided to try some, some pills, oh, some course. drugs. Oh man. Uh, and, uh, you know, the next morning she was like fine and super apparently embarrassed and like, couldn't. I, I gotta ask a, a, yeah. a grown woman. How old was the kid that this onesie was something she barely fit in? I mean, onesies uh, it was like six or seven years old. Like, I guess there's like a 10 year old that wears a onesie, but like she, got I don't know. It. it was like way too small, like way <laughs> too small. Like, you know, she wasn't a huge woman. So, you know, she was able to like, like, I, I, I distinctly remember that her, like it only came up to like her forearms. Like oh, the, the I sleeve. got you. Okay. Like, I got you. Okay. So she's like stuck out. Of oh my it. God. And, uh, and uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of bizarre. Um, can you imagine the anyway. chart? Can you imagine the charting on that? Would you would you quote her when she would say happy? Oh, yeah. I, I guess <laughs> I would, right? How many exclamation marks do you get? How long? <laughs> Patient will only exclaim happy, happy Easter, Easter. At, as loud as possible. You know, it's funny though. Otherwise, we'll not converse. <laughs> it, it, it seems it seems kind of funny and 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 you know, kind of crazy, but we do have to document these things to kind of one paint the scenario uh, for our memory. If we have to review the chart to remember, Oh yeah, I remember this case. Um, but like when people look back at the chart, so they have an understanding of like, we you know how be how bizarre she's behaving, maybe why she's behaving that way. This is important stuff because, you know, like to your point, like, you know, what are you thinking about when someone says that? Could she have had a stroke? And sometimes, you know, the temporal yeah. lobe could be kind of goofy and they do emotional weird things. And this is important. So a neurologist is like, Oh, she's doing something called perseverating, which means she's only saying one phrase. Oh, this could be like a temporal lobe stroke. This could be yeah, like a, a Broca's left brain stroke. Yeah, this is important stuff, but like it's hilarious. We're documenting this, but some, some, I remember having a, a patient who was like literally a priest. I'm sure you've had this case, like, you know, the kindest person in the world, the family brings them in and they're like swearing like a sailor, lewd <laughs> and lascivious language, uh, yeah. you know, like, you know, snarky remarks to the, 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 the nurses. And you're like, this guy's really kind of you know, wow, that's kind of vulgar. And the family's like, he's not like that. And then you get the scan and he's had a stroke in the, you know, the temporal lobe of his brain. And so he has no control over it in the frontal lobe and he has no control over it. So it's weird. It's the human body's weird. And maybe on Easter, it's more weird, but (laughs) yeah. Well, well, listen, so, so, and it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, follow that amazing story. But that being said, you mentioned something that brings me into my first uh, point of discussion for today, which is, uh, over the last couple of months when we've hung out, one of the things you mentioned that really intrigued me was a concept called, well, what you would say is, Raj, sometimes I'm either going to be trading time for money or I'm trading time for meaning. Can you tell me a little bit about what that means to you? Yeah, it was, well, the concept of time for money, it was first introduced to me by Tim Ferriss, who you mentioned, uh, The 4-Hour Workweek, which is a book that I read a long time ago. And his thing is at that time was, you know, this is when I was younger, I was hungry. I was trying to make money and I was mm-hmm. that, you know, that was mm-hmm. the goal. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was, first of all, figure out in your current job, how much your time is being reimbursed. And if something else comes around, like that is going to take your time, you have to decide, like, let's say, Let's say you get paid $50 an hour at mm-hmm. your job, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, you you could return something all the way to Whole Foods and get $3 back, right? But it's going to take you an hour to do that. 
Uh, and it's, you know, that's an ex, it's time out of your day that you could be doing something more productive. Is that worth your money? Is that worth the value of your time? So that concept always kind of spoke to me. And then after a certain time, you know, ER medicine has been very good. It's a stable job. You know, you start to feel more secure and that you have a roof over your head that you have food on the table. Mm-hmm. And then things, other things start trying to take your time, Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, other organizations or other job offers yeah. or commitments. Yeah. Um, and you only have so much of that time. And so the next thing after that for me is, am I going to get any meaning out of this? What do you mean you know? by that? Well, uh, are you contributing? Are you contributing to a better community, a better place, uh, are you providing a service that someone can't get otherwise? Like there's, there's true benefits to you for volunteering your time or volunteering your money or volunteering your efforts. Right. And so, uh, if something is not going to provide meaning to me, um, whether or not it's something I'm doing for free or it's something that I'm hoping to make some money out of it. You know, once I have my regular job, which I'm happy with, and I already said, provides me a lot of meaning, I'm not taking that on if I don't think I'm going to get meaning out of it. Mm-hmm. That's just me personally. I uh, and uh, that led into another point that, you know, it's I've heard other people on podcasts say it's either, you know, when someone presents you something, you have to look at yourself. Do you either internally say, hell yes, I want to get involved in that? Mm-hmm. And if it's not a hell yes, And it's not good for me. Also, the next step is, is it going to provide me meaning, Mm -hmm. meaning to my life, meaning to others, meaning to the community? Mm -hmm. Then then it's a humble no. Mm -hmm. Like, could be a great thing. You know, there could be some great uh, job that you could start, you know, do a startup or something and invest a lot of your time and sweat Mm -hmm. equity. Mm -hmm. And it could be great. But Mm -hmm. if I'm not excited about it and it's not going to provide me meaning and it's just otherwise going to take time away from my loved ones and from learning something or improving myself or my regular job, then I'm not going to then I'll just humbly say no, you know, and uh, I don't know. Did you ever did you ever have a hard time earlier on saying no to all these? Tell me about that. And how, well, initially, you, how you made the change, how you made the change to be able to say a oof. humble no. I think it was from all these things that we've been doing, bettering ourselves. You know, I started on the journey of, you know, self-improvement, uh, probably in thanks to guys like Tim Ferriss and podcasts. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and so somewhere along there, I started to realize this, but it's also because, you know, I think I've talked about it in previous episodes. There was that time where I was working way too much. And I was trying to pay off my loans and all I, all I was doing was saying yes to jobs and, uh, and just grinding way too much and taking way too much on. And, you know, I wasn't in a good place because of that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I was angry. I just found myself angry, you know, and uh, for no reason. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know. And so, Okay. Somewhere along the line, I started working on that. So, and, and, you know, you talk about um, earlier on, you were saying yes to a lot of things. Uh, I, I wonder, was there some kind of rooted, you know, anxiety or fear that, Hey, if I don't say yes to this, I might lose this opportunity. Cause you were kind of hungry for opportunity and you right. were, in a, you were primed to say, 
yes to everything. And I was, I, I think I, I even had mentors telling me early on, Raj, just say kind of yes to more things than you say no to, because you don't know where it's going to lead. You don't know where you're going to land. Um, mm-hmm. And so I did that. I was just kind of like you did. And something that I picked up along the way, uh, unfortunately, after I sort of had the repercussions of, you know, kind of like you were saying, I was like angry and I didn't know why, uh, it, sort of negative repercussions was when I said yes to something, a commitment, I didn't realize I was saying no to one or multiple other things. For instance, um, mm-hmm. if I would say yes to another position or if I'd say yes to, um, you know, we call it side gigs, I'm saying no to family time, FaceTime with my kids, my wife. I'm saying no to uh, a, uh, a hangout with you and the guys that could be rejuvenative. That is, it's not tangible what that worth is. Um, and uh, it is some of those things where I, I, there is a, there is a point when you need mental rest. Um, however, if it, you're cloud, if when I was clouded with the anxiety of, yeah, I know I need mental rest, but I also need this opportunity. It was hard for me to see the forest for the tree. I was consumed with, well, wait a minute, I need to build something. I And it's really easy for people like ourselves to just coax ourselves into believing the myth that we create around our lives, which is, no, this is right. This is the right thing to do. This is right. And so that's where mentorship was big for me. Um, you know, we've mentored each other. I've had mentors. And, and now in the second decade of my career, mentoring younger ER docs, I'm able to say these things, um, you know, just, you know, a soft recommendation. Hey, I see you got, you know, three different gigs here. Are you comfortable with that? You have enough time with your, your new kid. I know you got one on the way. You feeling like you got, you know, good time at home. You feeling like you get in vacation time, time to get away. And I'm able to say these things that I don't know that I heard enough of when I was coming up in emergency medicine. I, I, cause I, I surrounded myself with mentors that just said, grind, grind, grind. And maybe they said those things because they were escaping something else in their life and work was their dopamine. Maybe they were unhappy in the other part of their lives and work was the only thing they had that was something they can control. I'm not sure, but those are the kind of people I surrounded myself with. Now, fortunate, fortuitively, you and I, like I said, having these conversations, having this evolution, um, thinking in this way, I'm able to, in a more healthy way, I think, balance balance life and I, I'm I'm in the practice of saying no now. I'm in the practice of saying no, and it feels good. Uh, and I don't have this yeah. lost uh, opportunity FOMO. You know, I don't have this fear of missing out. This like, oh, gosh, I should have done that. Oh, that gig he had, that opportunity seemed really cool. Oh man, if you know, if I could go do no, you know what? Because if I'm saying yes to that, I'm saying no to this other stuff that's I know is already bringing me joy. Um, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, I think it's fear missing out. It's also sometimes, let's face it, some of the things that people are wanting us to do are our friends, our mentors, our colleagues, right? Uh, and so sometimes it's also fear missing out, but it's also not wanting to let down somebody That's by telling one. them no. That's a good point. And That's uh, a great point. Uh, you know, you hope that. That's why you you humbly say no, or at least no right now, or um, maybe if things change, I'll I'll, I'll circle back. And and I, I think you got to really mean that, otherwise you just say no. That's not something I'm interested in. But th- there there's pressures to say yes, and a big one is fear of missing out. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. This has been a good a good uh, topic. I think that we've hit, and this is another crucial conversation. 
Let me read to you an excerpt from the Knowledge Project, their newsletter, which is free. Uh, I get it every Sunday. Shane Parrish puts it out. And he puts something out called a tiny thought. And uh, here's the tiny thought that he put out. Uh, You get an email. No one cares about your excuses as much as you do. In fact, no one cares about your excuses at all except you. That 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 hit me so hard when I read that. And um, in this spirit of taking accountability for my ego, my diet, my exercise, uh, how I want to think moving forward, I don't think something more perfect could could hit me. And he talks about it a little bit is that he says that people tend to insulate their egos by blaming other people, pointing the finger. We kind of talked about that tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what your excuse none of it changes the outcome or solves the problem that still remains. And that it is still your responsibility to deal with the circumstance that is in front of you as best as you can, regardless of your excuse. And uh, your goal, your answer to this is focus on the next move. Don't focus on the excuse. What are your thoughts? I love it, man. I think that's in the lines of like, you know, uh, Extreme Ownership, which is a book by Jocko Willick, and you know, basically take responsibility for yourself. Uh, that's in along those same lines. It's like your excuses that you make. Sometimes don't we, uh, we spend almost more bandwidth or brain power coming up with why we're not doing something. Yes. Yes. Then it would take just to do the thing or, yeah. or whatever. It's just like, it's such a waste. I, you know? I couldn't agree with you. And more. you're right. No one else cares. It's like, you know, no one cares why it took you two days to respond to an email. Like, you know, you read, like, no one cares if it's because you didn't see the email or because like you just forgot or what, like, no one cares. Just respond to the email. Right. And if it's, if it was a time sensitive thing, then think about it like, okay, apologize, move on and say, I'm not going to do that next time. Yeah, you know, or something yeah. like that. Uh, that's just a little example, but I, I like that. I think that's right along those lines. What did you? What were your first thoughts about it when you? When you read <laughs> my, my my Susan's going to hit me in the face when I when she hears this. But the first thing I thought of was, we, you know, we've both been running together and pushing ourselves together. And uh, just a few days ago, I said to her, um, "Hey, uh, the the new trail that I mapped out, it, it's the the one leg of it is three miles. We've been doing this two mile one." I want you to do the three mile one. I'm going to be on my 24 hour shift, but you, I know you're going to run by yourself, hit that three mile one. And, and she immediately came up with excuses like, no, you know, I, I'm not ready yet. I'll do it next time. When, when you're here, I, I just, I just don't feel like I'm there. And, and, and about three or four other excuses. And then I came home, come home today. And she said, I totally did that three mile one. And I did it twice and it was great. And I felt great. And I'm thinking all that other stuff those words and here you are you just did it you just said you're gonna yep. do it you did it and 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 I, I look at myself I look at myself in this statement and I had lots of excuses and I look at myself as I'm sort of count like how would Raj counsel Raj if Raj was sitting next to Raj and hearing my excuses what would that other Raj say I'd be like dude these these are the dumbest excuses just go take care of the issue <laughs> or take accountability yeah. for what you did. Take accountability for what was said, what wasn't said, and fix the problem. Uh, a great mentor of mine said to me when I was my first year emergency medicine, I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm new in this group. I really want to kick butt and be great to you guys. What do you need from me? He's like, Raj, 
we got the world's quota filled with problem identifiers. We got one on every block. We got two on every every corner. What we need are problem solvers. So if you're going to come to the table with to the group with a problem, you better have three or four good solutions and ones you're willing to stay late to make happen, come in on a weekend, and one that you've already maybe already solved. We need problem solvers, and we can't find enough of those. So that's that's kind of you know where I, what I took. Um, you you mentioned uh, Jocko and taking accountability and you know no more excuses. Tell me a little bit about what we're going to talk about next week, which is uh, the interview with Sean Ryan, which is going to be awesome. And he took accountability. Yeah, if you guys haven't checked out the Sean Ryan podcast, I highly recommend it. He's like a a veteran who just has a lot of great insight. And I think he's a great interviewer because he'll have these long formats uh, where he'll have a lot of times veterans. In fact, the one I want to talk about next time is number 41 with Kyle Morgan. Oh yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll put a link to that, but uh, was he a Navy SEAL Kyle? He was a Delta force operator. Oh, that's right. And that's right. During the conversation, like you can see his, you can almost see his brain at times where he's talking about traumatic things and you can almost, man, if PTS is something that you can hear or feel like, mm. I feel like you can and how he's dealing with it. And it's an amazing comeback story. It's yeah. a, it was palpable. A, I know what you're talking it, about. It I, mean, I, I, I have nothing but respect for, I mean, that guy's, it was an amazing, amazing interview. And, uh, I'll put so a link like to, to uh, I'll put a link to that uh, episode for people to maybe like uh, do some uh, some listening before it, but we'll certainly talk about it at length. I it, it moved me. I have a lot to say about it. I know you do too. Um, hey man, thank you very much for joining me for another crucial conversation. I know we got uh, great content coming up, and uh, we'll see you real soon, man. All right, cheers. Sign All right, up. buddy. Sign now.